The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Connecticut. Known the world around for their delicious maple syrup. Their birds, probably. And murderous ghosts. They leave that part out of the brochure. They make sure they talk about their birds. And then we travel to Malaysia. To take a look at the story of a young woman who is approached by a television producer. And he promises this young woman fame and fortune. All she has to do is pull a prank. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day, too. Hope you guys are staying warm wherever you're at. I guess now they have live streaming in Antarctica. I guess there's now, like, some satellites so you can live stream them. That sounds super boring. I mean, unless they're getting killed by the thing. It really would just be a bunch of people, like, playing chess and talking about, like, hey, did you see how scientific the snow looked today? I did so much science. Like, I can't... Why would you want to talk to people in Antarctica. I find that I find that terrible. I guess their families, I guess their loved ones enjoy it. But, you know, I don't know. I'd find it kind of boring. Let, let me know when you guys are being picked off one by one by a shape-shifting alien. But someone who will always fight the good fight against the things. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command is one of our Thanksgiving live stream contributors. Everyone give it up for Sugoi. Woohoo! Yeah, come on, Sugoi, walking on into Dead Rabbit Command. He's shape shifting as he's trying to assume a final form. Sugoi, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, you guys can't support the show financially, I totally get it. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That really, really, really helps out. Sugoi, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Fly us all the way on out to Connecticut. headed all the way out there we've been to connecticut a couple times over the course of this show some people say it's the most haunted state in america (laughs) those people tend to the people who say that tend to run haunted tours in connecticut so i mean a little bit biased there i've always heard that california is the most haunted state pound for pound but a lot of people claim their state's the most haunted and that's why we're in connecticut right now because whether or not connecticut has the most ghosts, they definitely have some of the mo- most memorable. They really do. I've been researching Connecticut ghosts lately. I've been going through the Shadowlands.net in alphabetical order. <laughs> I'm up to the C's and I'm in Connecticut. And man, I found some doozies. I found some really weird ones. We're going to be covering them over the next couple episodes. But even these two are just so weird. Sugoi Land, the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. Our first stop here in Connecticut is we're going to hang out. At Warren Harding High School in Bridgeport, Connecticut. We're here at Warren Harding High School 
And we're here to check out a, a haunting, which has some terrifying implications of what life after death could actually be. It just seems like a normal high school. Kids are walking out of classes, bells are ringing, principal's like, uh, you better get back to class, guys. All that good stuff. But then, we see a ruckus down an empty hallway. We see, like, this older man, he seems to be, like, middle-aged. And he's running down the hallway, and he's like, help! Help, oh my god! Help me, somebody, help me! He runs out of view, and we're like, what, dude? We look over at the principal. The principal's like, what, what am I supposed to do about that? I'm telling these kids to go back to class. I'm telling these kids to go back to class. You handled the bloodied man running through my school. So we're running down the hallways, and we turn, and we look. And we look down the other hallway. What? I swear I just saw a, not elderly man, but an older man. I don't know why I'm so fixated on the age. A, a bloodied human being. It wouldn't matter if he was four or 44, a man with blood leaking out of his body went running by. Now he's gone. There's no blood on the ground, nothing. And so we start, we split up. We split up. I'll take the food court. You guys walk down the spooky hallways of this school and you guys are looking around. Never so often when the hallway's long and empty, you'll hear, no, stop, somebody save me. Ah! You can never find the source of the screaming. Well, we all meet back up in the cafeteria, and I'm sitting there, and I go, so how did the investigation go, guys? And you're like, dude, it was super creepy. Like, we're walking around this school, and I swear it sounds like a man's being murdered. And I go, that's exactly what you heard. However, he wasn't being murdered today, so there's nothing you could have, there's nothing you could have done to help this guy. I just wanted to send you on a wild goose chase. I go, what you heard was the screams of Mike. Mike, sit down. Let me tell you a story. Grab some mashed potatoes. Apparently, back in the 1960s at Warren Harding High School. Now, I, I, there's a new building at this location. I couldn't tell if it was a new addition to the original building or if they tore down the original building. But this haunting seemingly still exists. There's very little evidence of this online, but you do see a story here or there. Back in the 1960s, there was a custodian named Mike who worked at Warren Harding High School. And there was an insane student there as well. And also, attending this school is a bad combination. Old man, janitor, and an insane student who one day killed Mike, the beloved janitor of Warren Harding High School. Now, it wasn't like a quick kill, right? I don't think like the killer jumped out of a locker or something and then like stabbed him once and the guy's like, I'm dead. It sounds like there was a long chase. And what we're hearing in these modern times is the spirit of Mike. But I mean, they'll actually see this guy. They'll see a bloody man running down a hallway screaming for help. He's basically reliving his murder. That's pretty part and parcel with Basic ghost lore, right? We see that a lot in ghost stories. Someone died tragically, someone died violently, and they're reliving their death over and over again. What's interesting about this story, and again, there's really not a lot of stuff online about it, but the story goes that his killer was never caught, and some believe that his killer haunts the school as well. So it's not just a matter that we're hearing this guy and sometimes seeing this guy relive his death over and over again. 
the dude who killed him is there as well. His spirit is there as well. And that we I think we talked about this a little bit last season, but this is extra terrifying. Listen, if I get brutally murdered, someone beats me to death with a spiked baseball bat while I'm walking to work one day, I'll deal with it. I mean, I'll be dead, right? I'll be dead, but I'll deal with it. Imagine, though, if in the afterlife I'm constantly being pursued by the same guy. It would be like an infinite game of Pac-Man. You would never find any rest. Now, you could argue that the souls are simply repeating. You know, they're just basically repeating. There's no emotions being spent. The, the soul isn't actually being destroyed over and over again. It's like, Jason, if you watch Top Gun over and over again, it's not like Goose is actually dying. He, he, first off, he was a fictional character, but it's not like each time you watch the movie, the tragedy happens again. It's simply that you're seeing the tragedy happen again. So on one hand, if you have just a recording-type phantasm here, recording goes playing out over and over again of a man being murdered and his killer, who's never seen, who's never seen. Apparently, they didn't catch the insane student. They probably could have just looked up his personal records. Apparently, he was known to be insane and just went to his house, but it's just playing over and over again. The soul of Mike is, you know what I mean? Like it's one thing if someone videotaped your death and they're showing it on some gore deep web channel versus every time someone played that video, you, your soul relived that torment. Does that kind of make sense? But there's always the option, there's always the idea that that is taking place. That this isn't a typical recording type haunting. That Mike's soul is trapped in the place where he died violently, but the killer went on with his life. He was never caught. So when he died, wherever it was, whether it was in Connecticut or he was in Timbuktu hanging out, Trying to get a job as a high school janitor. He goes, the circle starts again. When he died, when his soul died, it went back to where he was the happiest. Which was killing Mike at Warren Harding High School. So it's possible that this is the two souls. Not simply reliving the event, but reenacting the event. That Mike's soul is now trapped and being tormented by his killer over and over and over again. The reason why I say that is because we do... Here's the thing. The story may not be true at all. I found two sources for it. The Shadowlands.net. And then a book called Ghost to Coast Tours and Haunted Places. It was the name of the book. That was published in 2009. That was the only place I could find information about this particular haunting. But I wonder if it is simply a replaying of the event. Or if it's actually the souls trapped there it's also interesting to note that according to these accounts only the staff only staff members have ever heard of this the students themselves are not bothered by these sights and these sounds so it's an interesting haunting there's some interesting things sugio is that is that how i pronounce your name Sugoi, Sugoi, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Delapi. We're going to leave behind Warren Harding High School. But we're staying in Connecticut. Drive us all the way on out to Hubbard Park. It looks pretty beautiful. I was looking at photos of it. 
It's about 1,800 acres that was donated by this dude named Walter Hubbard back in 1900. He was a pretty dope guy. Everyone liked him. Didn't have any scandals. He's just genuinely a nice, rich dude. And he ended up donating all this land to the town. And also, in the park, there's a place called Castle Craig. Castle Craig. Apparently, it's like a thousand foot, nearly a thousand foot tall observation tower built. So you can walk up in and go, wow, look at this big old park. And then you walk back down. I don't know what else you do up there. I don't know if there's like a casino or anything fun. But you get to look around. You get to be a thousand feet tall. That's pretty cool. Apparently, this is interesting. This is what I love about doing this show because I wouldn't have gone down this rabbit hole or dog hole had I not. Ah, never mind. <laughs> you still call it a rabbit hole. Had, had I not done this podcast, I was reading about stuff in haunted stuff in Connecticut. I came across Hubbard Park. There's a story of a phantom dog that roams the area. This one, as opposed to the Warren Harding High School story, you'll find this everywhere. You'll find this in lists of the top Connecticut haunted places. You'll find the story everywhere about this black phantom dog that hangs out in this area. Specifically, it walks through this portion of the park called Hanging Hills. The Hanging Hills. And if you see this black dog when you're out in the area, that means you're going to have great fortune soon. You're going to find yourself in the possession of worldly goods. That might be a reason why people like climbing that tower, because now you got a huge view of the park. You go, whoa, there's the dog. I'm rich, but don't ever go back to the park. Don't ever go back to Hubbard Park because if you see the dog twice, then you get really, really sick. And if you see the dog three times, you die. It seems like a pretty easy curse to avoid, right? You go there, you see the dog, you get a bunch of money, <laughs> you just leave. You never go back. You leave the state of Connecticut. It doesn't seem like that bad of a curse. I don't know if there's some sort of monkey paw type of thing where you get all your money, you win the lottery, but they're like, we've moved, we've moved location, the lottery office. You're going to have to come to uh, Hubbard Park to uh, pick up your ticket. I don't know if somehow you keep getting tricked to go back there. You use your money, you buy a brand new car, it breaks down. The brakes, the brakes give out and you just roll all the way downhill back to Hubbard Park. I don't know if the dog visits you if you see it once. And it's no guarantee that you're going to see it twice or three times. But it's just kind of like, why would you ever go back? This story is repeated over and over and over all over the internet. This particular story. So I kept digging. Like, the more resources there are, I kept digging into it. It turns out this one is 100% false. 100% false. It's verifiably false. Not just because magic doesn't exist, right? Curses and, and good luck charms. I do believe magic exists, but you know what I mean? Like, generally, if it was identifiable, if it was repeatable, scientists would be like, woohoo, now I got all this money to put more liquids in vials. Next stop, Antarctica. If you, it's provably not true. This story's provably not true. It's actually based on a short story written by a you know Thomas Pinchon? Thomas Pinchon, he's an author. His grandpa wrote a, a story, a fictional story back in 1898 for the Connecticut Quarterly. And it was about this black dog. And it's interesting. Again, this is what I love about this podcast. I was doing all this research and I found that. And they said the reason why a lot of modern people think that story is real, even though it was clearly fictional, if you read the original version, it's clearly fictional, is one, it's from Thomas Pinchon's grandpa. But he was also... 
a he like graduated from Harvard and he was a noted geologist. And then so when he wrote this story that was obviously fictional, people thought, well, you know, he's a geologist. (laughs) We always trust geologists, right? They're not going to lie to us. So that story is 100% fake. It's fascinating. You'll find that story all over and you won't see that final part where they go, it's actually fake. You'll just find it reported, the legend, their stories and da, 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 da. However, I wasn't even looking for the black dog of the Hanging Hills. I was looking for another ghost that supposedly lives in Hubbard Park that, again, you can barely find any information on. So we know the black... It's so fascinating to me. We know the black dog is fake, 100%. It was based on a short story that was published in Connecticut Quarterly in 1898. We know that's fake. That gets tons of press. The story, the Warren Harding High School, barely anything. And then this story, there's barely anything... And again, it makes us look at the power of the paranormal, the power of the ghostly world. Over by 999 West Main Street in the Hanging Hills area, there's a story of a ghost. This is really interesting. I see this phrase different ways. Sometimes the ghost is listed as a seven-year-old girl. Other times, it's described as something that looks like a seven-year-old girl. And there's really a big difference between the two, right? One would imply it's the ghost of a girl who died when she was seven. The other one would imply this is something much darker and older and more powerful than simply assuming that form, which would make sense considering where the story is going. If you're hanging out at 999 West Main Street, and you want to see a ghost, there is a way to summon this seven-year-old girl's phantom. Quite simple, actually. Quite simple. All you have to do is kidnap somebody. Said it was simple. Didn't say it was legal. So let's go ahead and grab this random person walking down the street and throw them in the back of the Jason Jalopy. And drive on out in the middle of the forest. we got to see if this actually works. we got to see if this haunting actually works. So, so you do it. You, you're, you're, you grab a guy and make you pick one out of the crowd. You're like, Jason, I don't know. I don't know who's innocent and who's guilty. And I go, just pick someone at random. You know, you might pick a guy who deserves to get kidnapped. So you pick a guy and I go, oh, no, that, that guy was actually really good. It's a really good guy, but you picked him. You're a bad person for picking him to kidnap. Throw this guy in the trunk, and we're driving on out to Hubbard Park. And then you get the guy out of the trunk, and you're dragging him. He's begging for his life. He's saying, you know, please, I have a family. I have a family at home. It's my daughter's birthday for crying out loud. He's holding an ice cream cake. It's melting, but you have no heart. You're cold. You're you're a cold-blooded person. You're dragging him through the woods. Finally, we're standing there in the middle of Hubbard Park, and you hear a... You're like, Jason, is that just is that just you laughing? I'm like, no, 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 no. It sounded like me laughing, but it was actually the laughter of a seven-year-old girl, and you're like, oh, you're all scared. You hear this laughter coming from all around you, and then all of a sudden the seven-year-old girl appears out of the darkness. And she rips you to pieces. Or she stops your heart. Or 
she stabs you with a sword. It doesn't actually say how she does it. But apparently this little girl's ghost is so interesting. Apparently this little girl, she was kidnapped as a child and murdered in the forest. So now if you... So specific, it's like one of the most specific hauntings ever. If you kidnap somebody, if you kidnap anybody and take them to the forest here in Hubbard Park, the seven-year-old girl will kill you. She specifically kills kidnappers. They say that she enjoys it. She loves killing bad people. So kidnappers beware in Connecticut. I'm sure Connecticut has a huge kidnapping problem, right? Kidnappers beware if you take them to Hubbard Park. There's a chance that you'll take them to 999 West Main Street area. And there'll be a little girl waiting for you to kill you. That's such a specific haunting. I, I mean, that's so bizarre. When I came across that, I thought, how would anyone have tested that out? How The first person who goes, man, you won't believe what happened tonight. First off, I kidnapped somebody. It's a typical Tuesday night for me. I'm a kidnapper after all. I kidnapped someone. I didn't know where to take them. Took them to the woods, a new place. I was taking them a new place. Normally, I'd take them to the outskirts of town or the old abandoned ironworks factory. But this time, I decided to take the scenic route to travel through the forest. And I wasn't alone, don't worry. Pete was with me, my fellow kidnapper. And all of a sudden, this little girl showed up and ripped Pete into little tiny pieces. Never seen anything like it. And I didn't know what to do, so I left the kidnapping victim there, hoping whatever killed Pete would take its time with the victim, and what? They didn't even kill the guy I kidnapped. I ran through the woods, barely made it out alive, and here I am on the Shadowlands.net typing out my story. Who was the first person to report that? It would have had to be someone who admitted to breaking the law. It would have had to have been a kidnapper. The idea of a ghost of vengeance, again, is something that is cool, but it's very rarely seen in the world of the paranormal. We have ghosts that were killed violently, ghosts that didn't get justice in this life. And every so often we have a story about them interfering. We did an episode like that a long time ago about a ghost interfering, like basically acting as a witness in the trial of their own death. That was a really cool story. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, I think we've honestly covered more than one like that. And I've seen maybe five or six in total through decades of research. It does happen, but it's, it's quite rare. This ghost goes the extra mile. She kills the criminals. And it's also interesting to note, if you realize, if you're detail-oriented, she only kills criminals who committed the crime that got her killed. So I imagine if you were kidnapping people, you shouldn't take them to this park. However, if you were, like, moving huge amounts of cocaine or you were a gun smuggler, she'd be totally fine with that, right? She'd be totally fine with that. She only likes to kill kidnappers. This is a story that I looked into. Again, I found very, very few sources on it. In this neck of the woods, no pun intended, they have found bodies. People have been reported dead here. There was at least one woman who the authorities believe she killed herself, and then there were the bodies of two men. At different times, and these are fairly recent, like 1990s forward, that these three bodies showed up. That's all really I can find in a pretty cursory examination of this area. It's it's an 1,800-acre park. I'm sure they've had their fair share of suicides and accidental deaths and 
possible murders and people being dropped off. But it's such an interesting story. A ghost who is not a recording, it's her actual soul, as a spirit of vengeance, but only killing people who commit the crime that killed her. It's very, very odd. And then you'd have to wonder, like, what's the definition of kidnapping? Does she make allowances? Like, she's like, well, technically... <laughs> they're simply human smuggling. The people started off coming willingly, and now they're being taken into a boat and sending out to Eastern Europe. I don't, I don't know how well she defines the term kidnapping, but fascinating story nonetheless. This is one of those stories that we don't know if it's true. It would be easy to test. It wouldn't be. It would not be legal to test, but it would be easy to test. Kidnap someone and take them out into the woods. However. Um, if you if you're wrong, you're guilty of kidnapping a human, and you'll probably go to prison. And if you're right, you'll hear a little girl laughing as she's killing you. So I mean, they're both pretty they're both pretty bad options. And just just to be clear, it would be a bad option if she wasn't laughing. If she was sobbing uncontrollably as she's killing you, that would be equally bad. It's not the laughing part that makes it dangerous. It's the death of the hands of a spirit. Sugoi. Now that I've officially pronounced your name three different times, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carboner Copter. We are leaving behind this forest in Connecticut. Kidnappy free. We're not, no one's coming against their will. Fly us all the way out to Malaysia. Before we get this story started, I want to give a shout out to Dead Rabbit Radio listener Virginia Pygari. Virginia Pygari on Instagram. Virginia sent me over a Instagram story, a little Instagram video from someone known as Zach D Films. So I got most of my information from the Zach D Films account, as well as an article written by Simon Perry for the Daily Mail. Super fascinating story. I'm shocked. I had never heard of this. This is so bizarre. So thank you, Virginia, for sending this over. The year is 2017. We're in Malaysia. And there's a young woman, a single mother known as Siti Aisia. Siti Aisia. She's 25 years old, and she grew up in a rural village in Indonesia But like so many people, she dreamed of a better life. Specifically, she dreamed of being rich and famous. She wanted the eyes of the world upon her. It's a very, very common desire, right? But reality doesn't always give us what we want. At least not in the way we expect it. By the time Siti is 25 years old, she finds herself working as a masseuse in Malaysia. And it's making ends meet. It's not a lot of money at all, but it's something. She's working as a masseuse. And through her job, she meets a taxi driver. And the taxi driver says, Oh, Siti, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. What are you doing here in this massage parlor? It's, it's such a waste of your obvious talents. You're just you're too good looking for this job. You're too smart to simply sit here and be a masseuse. You You should be on the front cover of magazines. You should be all over the world. You should have everything you've ever wanted. And Siti's listening to this taxi cab driver. She's probably thinking, well, I'm sure. Yeah, that'd be nice. But you're a taxi cab driver. What can you do for me? Taxi cab driver goes, I actually know a television producer. I'm driving taxi, but I'm meeting people from all over. 
Rich people take the taxi too. And I know a television producer and he is actually looking for a drop-dead gorgeous woman, just like you, for his next project. Would you like me to put you in touch with him? Hmm. Siti, like most of us would, she jumps at the opportunity, right? She's just been giving back rubs. <laughs> I don't know what type of massage parlor it was, but either way, she's been rubbing down greasy men night after night. She goes, yeah, yeah, sure, that'd be great. Go ahead and put me in touch with that television producer. <laughs> and then the taxi cab driver goes, but finish giving me my back rub. Then I'll do it. She eventually gets put in touch with this television producer from Japan named James. And James is talking to Siti and he goes, listen, I generally do television, but we know that YouTube is the future and I'm working on this new project. It's going to be a hidden camera prank show. Those are all the rage right now. These hidden camera pranks. It's going to be super easy. All I need you to do is help me pull these pranks. I'm going to be hidden with my phone and I'm going to be recording these things. We're going to post them on YouTube. Trust me. It'll go viral. You will go viral. Are you in or are you out? And Siti goes, oh yeah, no, I'm totally do that. That would be awesome. This is the first step to me actually getting out of this crummy massage business. Making it big. So they meet up at this location. Generally, they did this at restaurants and outdoor cafes and things like that. Every so often, they would actually do it at the local international airport. But the the setup was always the same. City would show up, and this television producer, James, would squirt baby oil into her hands. And he would go, I want you to walk up to a random businessman and smear the baby oil on his face. And then leave. You can run away, you can apologize, however you want to do it, but don't, don't stick around for too long. And I'm going to record it. It'll be hilarious. It'll be this super funny prank. And Sitsi's like, oh, okay. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'd say it was super funny, but it could be amusing. So James sprays baby oil on Sitsi's hands. And she walks up to a random dude and smears it all over his face. And then stands there and apologizes briefly and then runs away. James is filming this the whole time. And on her first time doing this, she did it to three different guys in this kind of open, common public area. She's walking around, she's smearing this baby oil on these guys' faces. And she's getting paid good money to do this, right? She's getting paid good money to actually do this. So it's worth it. Nothing bad has happened. No one's beating her up. I mean, at the end of the day, it's baby oil. There's this beautiful young woman standing in front of you being like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And whatever, you're a businessman. Maybe you recognize her from the massage parlor. You're like, hey, Sitsy, see you later tonight. Save that baby oil. This goes on for uh, uh, this goes on for a couple weeks. And they're shooting these prank videos. Well, now it's February 2017, and she gets a call from James and goes, "Okay, we're gonna do another one of these pranks. Meet us down at the international airport. They had done the prank here before." Not a big deal. It's the Kuala Lumpur International Airport in Malaysia. And she shows up, Siti shows up, and this time there's another woman is there as well named Duong Fi Huang, who is another young woman. And James goes, okay, here we go, guys. We're going to do another one of these pranks. But this time, we're going to have both of you. It's going to be super funny. We're going to have both of you. We're going to put this baby oil on your hands. You guys have both done this several times. This isn't your first rodeo. 
this time it's going to be extra funny because I'm actually going to point somebody out and it's my boss. Like this has been a side project we've been working on. It's going to be hilarious. Now we're going to have both of you come from different angles and smear this baby oil on his face. It's going to be hilarious, but I'm telling you right now, my boss, dude, he is not going to be happy. He doesn't have any funny bones at all in his body. He's going to actually be really, really upset when you do this to my boss. So when you do this, just leave right away. Don't stop. Don't apologize or anything like that. I'll make it up to him later. It'll be hilarious. And so the girls are like, yeah, no, that'll be awesome. This will be fun. I mean, it's fun as rubbing baby oil on someone's face, but they're getting paid. They've been getting paid. So James, once again, takes out the baby oil bottle and sprays some baby oil into Duong's hands. And then he sprays some baby oil into Siti's hands and says, that's the guy right there. He's coming. You see him right there. And the two girls turn and they look and they see James's boss and they head off from two different angles. And they walk up to this guy and they smear baby oil all over his face. And the two young girls turn and walk in opposite directions. It's perfect. It's perfect. It was exactly what James was looking for as he was videotaping this. City, after she walked away, she went into the women's restroom and washed her hands off. And in another part of the airport, Duong is doing the same thing. She walked right into the women's restroom, washed her hands off. The baby oil prank is done. But that wasn't James's boss. James didn't know him, though. He did pick him out for a purpose. The man that just had baby oil rubbed on his face inside this international airport, his name, Kim Jong-nam. Kim Jong-un's half-brother. And rightful heir as ruler of North Korea. He was the older son of Kim Jong-il. But when he deeply embarrassed the family, he was pretty much exiled from North Korea, where he became an open critic of the totalitarian regime of his father and now his brother Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-nam had just had baby oil wiped on his face. But as he was being led away by security, because he was furious that this happened to him, he's being led away by security. He's actually being taken into a little medical center inside this international hospital. His breathing becomes heavy. And then it stops completely. Kim Jong-nam was not covered in baby oil. He was covered in a nerve agent called VX, which is considered a weapon of mass destruction. It causes your muscles to become paralyzed. You suffocate to death. This assassination was months in the planning. They had been trying to find Kim Jong-un, and I say they. Obviously, people blamed this on North Korea. But North Korea has always denied this. They said they had nothing to do with this. And it was really sad that Kim Jong-un's brother died. The two girls are pretty quickly arrested, right? I think it was maybe three days 
where these two girls were tracked down because this was all caught on video. You can see the surveillance video. I was watching that. There's a final photo of Kim Jong-nam. He's sitting in like a chair in this little medical center. And it's just like a cheap chair, a cheap plastic chair. And he's completely slumped back in it. He's suffocating. You're looking at the photo of a man who's sitting in a chair who can't breathe. His lungs have been paralyzed. His brain is still active but he can't draw in a breath. His lungs aren't working. They arrest these two young women, and they go, what are you talking about? It was just a, it was just a prank, bro. Literally. We've been doing this for weeks. We've been doing this all over. They're like, wait, wait, wait. What are you talking about? They go, the baby oil thing. We've been getting paid to put baby oil on various people's faces. It's for a YouTube channel. The fact that it didn't kill the two girls, at first investigators thought maybe one person had the V and the other person had the X. When they put them together, it it happened. No, it turns out that both of these young women, as unbelievable as it sounds, both had VX nerve agent rubbed on their hands. And the authorities say, how do they not wash their hands off immediately? They would have died as well. It would have killed them. The fact that they both walked into the bathroom to wash their hands off was nothing short of a miracle, but but you're, you're also under arrest. We don't believe you that this was a prank. We think that you were part of this. They were actually arrested, and they were being told to give up the rest of their assassination squad, and they're like, you mean James? You mean the television producer? This is all the information I have from him. Nobody else was ever arrested for this. Taxi cab driver disappeared. James, the television producer, disappeared. There were some other people they met during this, because they were go doing some of these operations in Indonesia, some of them in Malaysia. They traveled a bit. Everyone disappeared. And to this day, the only people arrested for it were those two young women. Eventually, it was about two years. They were in prison for about two years because nobody believed them. The first year, both these girls were in solitary confinement. They were trying to get them to break and give up the rest of their assassination squad. But eventually, I think they realized, no, these girls were duped into killing a, a, a possible world leader. See, that was the thing. Like, he was supposed to be in charge of North Korea. I said he was embarrassed. He embarrassed the regime earlier. That, what he did, this is so ridiculous. Imagine you are the oldest son of a world dictator, right? One of these, one of the last rogue nations on the planet. Kim Jong-nam's great sin was he got arrested with a fake passport trying to take his family to Tokyo Disneyland. That embarrassed his father, Kim Jong-il, so much, he disowned him, pretty much. He was like, you're not going to be heir to the throne <laughs> over Disneyland, right? Over Disneyland. At the same time, Kim Jong-nam was openly a critic of the regime, even when his dad was in power. So I'm sure that didn't help anything. He was basically doing that. He's like, my dad won't let me go to Disneyland. Totalitarianism sucks. And people are like, well, that's kind of a weird, that's kind of a weird reason why you want to shut down an entire country. But he was supposed to be the president or the supreme ruler, supreme leader of North Korea. And instead, his younger brother, Kim Jong-un, rose to power. But the fact that he, the fact that Kim Jong-nam was still out there running around, openly criticizing the government... It wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good look for the North Korean leadership, so they eventually had him taken out. 
in what must be one of the most bizarre assassinations on record. I'm surprised I had never heard of this. It's so recent. Maybe I saw a headline at some point. I don't know. This is so bizarre. And it would work. That's what makes it so terrifying, right? It obviously worked on this guy. But that is the way to pull it off. You dupe people into doing this. And nowadays, I feel like that is such an easy thing to do because you could tell someone, you want to be rich and famous? We're going to do these. I mean, you. I couldn't have planned it any better than these guys. I mean, I don't give a lot of props to North Korea, although I did do an entire week of North Korean episodes. But you, you got to give a hats off to these guys. I mean, I, I want to shake their hand, but you can definitely tip your hat to them. You got people to think it was just a prank. And they had done it. They had basically done trial runs this whole time. And it worked. Each time you could sneak up. you not even really sneak up. You're in a crowded area. Especially a beautiful woman's walking towards you. Your guard's going to be down. And they smear this VX nerf agent all over you. And it's interesting because you couldn't have had one of your own agents do it. Just because the VX was so dangerous. You'd have to wear gloves. And you wouldn't want to be caught on camera. Like, you could have it totally set up. I can't think of it. I can't think of a better way to do this. And you're using people's own desire for fortune and fame to push them forward. You didn't have to bring them in on the plot. You didn't have to you didn't have to whip them up into a frenzy about how what a horrible guy this was. You didn't have to do any of the brainwashing. You didn't have to do any of the like forming this guerrilla unit and training people and making them hate the enemy so much they'd be willing to put their lives at risk. They'd be willing to kill civilians. That's been the template really forever. Right. And then you go, and now we're going to go out and we're going to now we're going to go out and we're going to kill this political leader and we're going to take the bombs to the streets. And da, 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 da. that's how it used to be. Now you can just be like, hey, you, you want to be on a prank video? I'm going to give you this backpack and somewhere in this crowd, there will be a backpack that looks like it. And you replace it and get back here. That's the prank. Inside your backpack, it's full of cockroaches. Don't look. And if you hear any ticking, that's the cockroaches' legs rubbing up against each other. But you go and you replace this backpack somewhere in that somewhere in that food court. It's a backpack that looks just like it. Go. And you're running through the food court. I guess that would be super suspicious. You're all sweaty. You're running. You're like, Mr. Beast, Mr. Beast, am I almost there? Am I almost there? I guess they'd probably go and also don't run, don't run, don't yell the name out of my YouTube channel or anything like that. You got to be slick. And then you're walking away with a backpack full of all these secret documents. The guy sitting over there with a bomb now. (laughs) That's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario is it is full of cockroaches, but... It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Like on a purely technical level... It works, and I I could totally see this happening again. I could totally see, instead of the guy with the rifle in the clock tower, which you have to train how to use that type of rifle, how to make sure that you are able to sneak by security. Do you even have the cardio to walk up that many flights of stairs? These are all questions that are unnecessary to answer if you can frame it as a prank. Instead of putting someone in the clock tower with a rifle, you could just say, we got this new prank. This prank is called this prank is called running up to the president with two loaded shotguns. I mean, it, but, but they're squirt guns. Don't worry about it, son. They're squirt guns. They're these super soakers, and they're filled with sulfuric acid. Okay, I guess that 
<laughs> that one would be pretty easy to stop. One, these the squirt guns would pretty much melt. But let's say they didn't. I think the Secret Service, if you're running up to the president, if you're running up to the president, screaming, Mr. Beast, you're giving the channel introduction, and you're holding, you're holding anything, you could be holding two bananas. I think the Secret Service are going to stop you. But what are they going to do? It's going to be a bunch of sulfuric acid right in their face. They're like, ah, ah, and the president will be like, no, you could totally do this. You could totally do that. I'm not saying you should. Just so we're clear, just so we're clear, government agents, I'm not saying you should. I'm saying this will be the future of political assassinations or even like business assassinations, corporate espionage, all of that. Instead of trying to get someone who is highly trained to do the job, get just somebody from just get somebody who wants to be famous and trick them into killing people. It would have taken years to get these two young women to the point where they actually wanted to take a human life and they hated this guy so much they were willing to possibly sacrifice their own lives and the lives of others to martyr themselves to take out this contender to the throne. But in a couple of weeks, in just a couple of weeks, these two young women were turned into assassins. Totally against their knowledge, totally against their will. They never would have done it. No matter how much you money you gave them to say, hey, we're going to put this VX nerve agent on your hands. They'd be like, no, I'm done. It's just a fascinating story. I'm surprised I never heard of it. A prank that turned into a murder. And if anything, this may be a one of a kind event now. But in the future, I feel like this type of action will be much more common. Because it's so easy to do. And that's the scary part. There's a very, very, very small group of people who you can brainwash into killing other people, even civilians, for the greater good. But nearly everybody would do anything to go viral. Even if that means smearing a virus all over somebody, believing it was all just the prank. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.